Hello and welcome to Casting Seeds, where you, the listener, get to decide, is this topic biblically casting pearls or planting seeds? I'm Savannah, your host. I'm a holistic health practitioner, body worker, alignment specialist, herbalist, and small business owner. I'm also a wife and most importantly, Christian. This podcast is where you get to use God's singular truth for your discernment in individualized healthcare. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'm Savannah, your host. Jeremiah, your co-host. And we are in a part two of episode... Wait, (laughs) how do we explain this? We're in part two of Casting Seeds Preparing for Sex, and part one was episode four, so that makes this... Wait. Episode five. Wait, no. Part... Oh, yeah, yeah. You can, this is the first time we've had to do this. If you guys couldn't tell, so this is only our fifth episode. I know, isn't that so exciting? Yeah, it's one month in. Woo! It's exciting. We're podcasters. We're doing Pod- that. Podcasting it. <laughs> We're just praying that if it's a ministry that continues to grow, then it continues to grow, and if God gives us discernment to stop, then we will. But until then, we still have the go, so we got to go back into. Sex, biblically. <laughs> yes, but we are actually halfway through sexual health. So where we left off last week was talking about herbs that help sexual intimacy. And I have been so excited to get back into this topic. Um, Jeremiah, if you have any questions about herbs or anything that has to do with what I'm saying or if I get kind of too fancy with my words, please don't hesitate to be on the listener's behalf and be like, pump the brakes, baby. What? I never do. <laughs> I know, it's true. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. What you got for us? Okay, okay, okay. So I'm going to be talking about different types of herbs first, three groupings that I think will be really good for sexual health. Um, and of course, as we were talking about last week, we already know and understand that everything that I'm going to be suggesting su- suggesting is in the context of marriage. Mm -hmm. So um, if you guys did not listen to episode four, we highly recommend listening to it because it kind of gives the precursor of sexual purpose, how God created sex between a man and a woman, why he did it, and also the purpose of sex being between a husband and a wife, how ultimately at the end of our episode, Jeremiah and I got the discernment of casting seeds of faith into understanding masturbation is a sin within marriage and outside of marriage. Uh, And then we also went into lust and what that means. uh, And then the beginning parts of sexual health, which is gut and vaginal microbiome, vitamins and minerals that are good for sexual health, which also leads into uh, pregnancy and then lubricant and how to make it. And then now we're in herbs and sexual intimacy, which lubricant kind of blends into that as well. Uh, Because the first herbs that I recommend, the first grouping of herbs are going to be lubricating herbs. Moisturizing, right? <laughs> Moisturizing. Uh, no. No. <laughs> what a way to word that. That's funny. Um, That's what Google said. <laughs> Did it really? Yeah, it's moisturizing. That sounds so gross. I don't know why. I No, lubricating sounds for some reason less disgusting to me than moisturizing, and it's not because of the word moist. No, no, no. The word... That is in um, that you use for the example. Yeah. What, what is it? What is the first word? Mucilaginous. 
So if you type that into Google, like mucilage, it tells you moisturizing. Okay, yeah, mucilage is moisturizing, but it's also because it has a slimy, normally a cooling mm-hmm. aspect to it. I do have one mucilogenic type of herb in here that is not cooling, okay. but I also don't suggest putting it anywhere besides I would put your anything mouth. cooling. Well, anyway, <laughs> that's not the point of what I'm, what these herbs are going to be about. But uh, mucilogenic herbs are very strong anti-inflammatories mm-hmm. because if you think about mucilage, it helps support your digestive system. So it helps bring everything through your digestive tract. And then on top of that, it also helps support your kidneys. It helps the diuretic herbs that I'm going to be mentioning and also helps support the calming herbs that are going to be going through your central nervous system. So the reason why we have that overall kind of mucilage definition, which uh, in in herbalism, it's called a demulcent. It's something that's, well, a demulcent and an emollient. So emollient is something topical that you put on that's hydrating to your skin and then or like hair like people put hair oil that's a type mm. of emollient because it makes your hair hydrated right and then a demulcent is an internal application or like an oral use mm. or like technically a lubricant like when you put lube on for mm-hmm. sex or you know if you use it for other tools um which i'm going to be mentioning later uh those types of things are internal applications so that's a demulcent which I personally prefer more internal application to prepare yourself for sex because if you're internally hydrated, your body's running better and then your natural fluids actually can be used better. And it also helps cleanse your body more so that you also have a better pH and a better smell and or taste. And that goes for orally and vaginally. Um, hopefully that that's where that ends. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know where else that would go. But uh, with that, uh, uh, and uh, so the opposite of those, it's called an astringent, which is used a lot in winemaking. Whenever they say like, oh, the tannins, you know, are really drying up my mouth. It's that drying kind of mouth feeling and not the feeling that people get. That's like a cotton mouth. They call it with marijuana. It's not that. I'm Well, maybe. I don't know. Does when it that dehyd- happens, it feels like your saliva goes away. It right? feels like it, but does that actually happen with marijuana? I don't know. I don't know either. I will say though, outside of marijuana use, I don't. I have no idea if that's like a, a mental thing or a physical thing that's actually happening. Uh, there are tons of astringent herbs. Um, which what was the one I've been taking like all the time lately, and it just gives me a bajillion tannins which by the way tannins are the bindings of uh it, it's tannins binding to protein in your mouth that's that feeling that you're getting that astringent like i can't i can't talk type of feeling mm-hmm. so with that to sum bitters? up no bitters don't do that i mean not all bitters some bitters can actually be also a demulcent so all of the herbs I'm going to suggest are emollient and demulcent. So they're topical application and used for oral application. Uh, if anyone is listening to this and they're pregnant with all of the herbs that I'm going to mention and, and all of these topics, please consult with a healthcare provider. I would say even if you're not pregnant, you should check and see if these things work with your body. 
Um, I don't think that you necessarily have to go to a doctor for every single thing, but specifically when it comes to pregnancy, because it's not just your own life, it's also your baby's life at risk. Just please be wise before you use these. Uh, but with all of these herbs that have great internal and external uh, lubrication, this is the list and I'm really excited. Okay. So for the application, you can use marshmallow, which isn't that fun. That's an actual plant. Uh, slippery elm, which is actually one of my favorites. Licorice, which licorice is really good. It has like a very sweet taste to it. And obviously it's like the flavor of licorice, not super strong. It's very light, but I don't recommend it for somebody who has high blood sugar because it actually can raise your blood sugar levels. Um, calendula, which is another all time favorite of mine. Comfrey, which I do love. Um, I don't know if I'd necessarily use it for sexual use. I think comfrey is a lot better for healing injuries. Uh, and then oatmeal again, (laughs) I don't know. It does smell really wonderful though. So you could use it as like, um, like a hair mask or, you know, like a really great, I think it's better for external use or like eating, uh, prickly pear cactus, aloe vera, which my favorite for lubricant, uh, which by the way, please don't use aloe vera gel, like from the squirt bottles, like go get organic aloe vera leaf. And then create your own lubricant from that. Uh, cinnamon, which is obviously very hot and crazy warm, warnings, warming. I can't talk. So please, again, don't use that as like an in, like internal vaginal lubricant. You can eat that. And also, I wouldn't suggest applying it on your skin for a long time. Because... Or eating it and then doing stuff. Yeah. Don't go eat it and then kiss. <laughs> Even that, yeah. Yes. Uh, Flaxseed as well. Um, Slimy. That is very slimy. Same thing with chia seed, which is also on here. Those are very common ones. And you know, actually, if you separate the gel from that, that, those two I think actually could be very good natural lubricants. That'd be very difficult. I think you're better off with the aloe. Yeah, aloe is the easiest. You don't have to do all that work. Mm -hmm. But chia seed, I feel like, wouldn't be too difficult. Flaxseed also has a very high estrogen like a natural estrogen. So it could actually be good for people who are trying to get pregnant. Mm. Anywho, those are great, all natural, very mucilogenic or mucilaginous. Have high mucilage. (laughs) So those ones that are not, I guess, slimy or naturally wet. Mm -hmm. What would you, how would you turn those into a cream or gel or... How would you make those into a lubricant? So like the calendula? Yeah, would well, you buy it as a dry so plant? The, so or? the ones that are drier, um, like slippery elm, is actually very slimy if you order it and then make it into your own type of lubricant, I guess. But my point for all of these, even marshmallow is, licorice is, they, prickly pear cactus, they so all are. So don't buy like a vitamin type of thing. You have to buy the actual plant and then... Like a tincture, is that what you're asking? Yeah, you're not making a tincture. You're you're making an actual application. So what I'm saying is you can do both. Mm. That's what I'm trying to say. So for a lot of these, you can, I mean, all of them, you could do both. But that's why I was giving the preference of like, let's use common sense. (laughs) We're not going to make a lubricant out of pure cinnamon bark. That would be the dumbest thing you could ever think of, like fire 
in your private parts. That's yeah, just so think stupid. of like red hot yeah, chewing gum. Exactly. <laughs> so what I'm saying is for like marshmallow root, slippery gum, if any, and also if you don't like slippery, like to drink that because that's a texture that not a lot of people like. People don't like chia seeds for that reason. What I'm saying is you can make a tincture or put the tinctures in your drinks. And then especially like when it's dry and hot in summer here in California. But like the topical stuff, you can't turn that into a tincture because tinctures are done with alcohol. You'd have to learn how to process it a different way without alcohol. Well, right? you can buy these things already processed like aloe vera oh. gel. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I understand that one. Yeah. So it's the same thing with all of these herbs. If you're trying to make the process, some of them are naturally more slimy, like marshmallow root, slippery um, um, licorice. Uh, let me see here are the ones I listed. Flaxseed and chia seed and aloe. You can make that at home. You just soak them and okay. then you separate the slime. It's just that easy. You soak them overnight in the fridge and you separate. And then you can blend it so that it's even. Um, but I wouldn't leave the chunks of the plant unless it's al aloe vera. Because aloe vera, the chunks of it, the whole, like you can remove the skin. But yeah. So diuretic herbs are herbs that help with blood flow, urine, and lymph. Uh, these support your vascular system. The reason why that would be beneficial during sex is because if us ladies and men don't have great blood flow to, especially for men, if you don't have great blood flow down to your genitalia, mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to stay, I'll just say. Flaccid? Yeah. Oh, wait, no. You would be flaccid. You would be flaccid. Oh, you yeah. Flaccid is opposite. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the, whatever. You wouldn't be able to stay hard. During sex. Erected. Erect. Thank you. I couldn't figure it out. I don't care. It doesn't matter. We're all ladies and gents here listening to this. So for to be able to hold an erection, you have to have blood flow, right? And then same thing with women. In order to have any type of mucilage and any type of uh, vaginal strength, just like any muscles, you have to pump blood to your muscles to make it strong, right? And for it to be able to relax properly. So if you don't have proper blood flow to those areas, you're not going to be able to have a pleasurable experience. But also, you know, if your heart races a little bit, that's a good thing. It means that your body is excited to be with your husband or to be with your wife. And these things actually help pump your blood so that when your adrenals are working, it doesn't feel like it's in shock or fight, or fight or flight. It feels like, oh, I'm doing a workout and it it becomes beneficial for you. So that's why it helps. Even though it doesn't, it, these herbs aren't direct like lymphatic herbs, that's how it supports your lymphatic system. So if mm -hmm. you take diuretic herbs, in return, it helps blood flow, which blood is known as like the life source of your body it helps support your organs your brain it helps support everything a part of your body right so if you support your body with diuretic herbs you are supporting every single aspect of your body but especially for your sex life and supporting your blood preparing for your baby as well so these herbs are really important and i think they're actually looked over a lot like they're not really considered powerhouse herbs and i think these are amazing and you guys are going to giggle because they're very common. This helps support, like I said, like your vac vascular system. So everything in here, um, just to let you know, could also be a lot of them could be contraindicated for pregnancy because uh, while you're pregnant, if you're taking quite a few of these herbs, unless your background and biological, when I say background, I mean biological background is not used to taking them. For me, for instance, cranberry, 
I'm very, very sensitive to it. And it, it literally, I can feel my body. Like when we were going through our miscarriages, I could feel it help push everything out of me. So I wouldn't recommend a lot of these herbs during pregnancy, but also again, test them with yourself at a neutral state before you're pregnant. See how you feel during your menstrual cycles, ladies. And for men, these are good year round. So cranberry is the first one. Pipisiwa is another great one. Um, how do you spell that? P-I-P-S-E-S-S-E-W-A. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yerva, yerva Yursa is probably one of the most common ones. <laughs> how does that one spell? U-V-A. Next word. U-R-S-I. Okay. Um, I think I always call it like the universal herb, Yerva Yursa. And I, if I were to go in depth with all of these herbs, this whole thing would take way too long. But just know I really love Yerva Yursa, even though I can't say it apparently. Corn silk is also very common and inexpensive in comparison to the other three herbs that I mentioned because it's not known as well. Uh, horsetail, amazing also for hair growth. Same thing with nettle, the next one. I love nettle so much. Again, very, very common herb. Very common. Chickweed, very common as well. Dandelion, so common. Everybody even knows it. Elder, really common. And yarrow. Elder and yarrow are probably going to be more expensive on that list. And a lot of these, it's like they're either straight up Western or Eastern medicine. I always like to say, if you come from more of a Western descent, then I suggest trying those herbs first because they're more likely to work better with your biological background ancestrally with your gut and microbiome what's considered western and eastern so anything from asia okay so just asia so europe is fine it is considered yeah. western yes okay and i don't and i don't mean like asia like just china if that's whatever the one country is that's not asia when i think of asia i'm talking about india philippines um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I feel understand. like I'm going to be tested on my geography and it's not going to do well. Uh, Japan, China, Mongolia, all those places. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm missing a lot. Uh, yeah, it's okay though. <laughs> it's not, I don't, I don't Anything think Anything of Eastern descent. I don't think that really, that part really matters. I think just understanding what, where the line is drawn considered. Well, Eastern, it's so Western, Western herbs are considered anything from like... Russia even can be considered a little bit Eastern, but mm -hmm. they used a little bit more of Western medicine, not so much Eastern. Mm -hmm. It's because of that border between like Mongolia and Russia. Um, same thing with Hungary, which your mama is from. Yeah. Uh, they can border, even like the Hungarian language can sound like Chinese at times, but they have used a lot of Asian. It can. When you guys talk, it sometimes sounds Chinese to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your own family says it. It's one of the hardest languages to learn in the world. It's its own alphabet, yeah, its own it's language. Really confusing. Um, but so th that's what I'm saying. Sometimes it can be a blend depending on your biological background, yeah, or genealogical background. So, question: What would Africa be considered? African. So that then there would be Eastern, Western, African. Yeah. Interesting. So same thing with. Uh, so like when I say when I say Western, I mean like Europe and America, Canada, mm -hmm. not all of Canada, though, because there's a lot of indigenous 
And same thing with America. So that's the thing. There's indigenous backgrounds, obviously, to each of these areas. But for anyone that's taking any of these things, like I, I don't know a ton of the herbs in South America. Some yeah. of these are from South America. But someone who's listening to this, like our first Brazil listener, by the way. I was oh, so yeah. excited. I just wanted to say hi to you. From Brazil. <laughs> yeah, hi. <laughs> I got really excited. <laughs> I just want to let you know. Um, I posted about you on Instagram because you were my, our first ever out-of-country listener. So hi. <laughs> hola. Reach out to Samantha Wait, when... how do you say hi in Portuguese? I Is it hola? Know. I have I no idea. I feel stupid. Hi. <laughs> um, so, so that person, that if you're listening... If you're listening to these herbs and none of these originate from like your area or biologically where you're from. Yeah, we'll do some research. Yeah. Message me. I'll send you stuff. I'll look up stuff in Brazil. But what I'm trying to say is do your research for your biological background. These are just overall suggestions. And I'm not saying they're not going to work for people. But depending on where your biological background's from, it's some are going to work great for me for you and some aren't. Like I have noticed I do not do well with like turmeric. I actually, my body has like a reaction to it. Mm -hmm. One, turmeric's also cut with a lot of flour. Yeah. So that could be why. Um, But I've tried straight up just juiced turmeric. Like I got the root and my body, I literally had adverse effects from it. It's anti-inflammatory. I broke out in rashes. I got inflamed. So that's what I'm saying. Not every single herb is going to affect people the same. And you need to be your own healthcare provider and your own basically healthcare specialist for your own body and your own family. Especially if you're the wife of the family, I do feel like it is a part of your job because the husband's already doing so much for providing and taking care of the house. If it's your job to take care of the home and like oversee the children as the number two, then this is a part of your job to get to know what your kids can take and understand and understanding, explaining to them how they can play with different plants and try things and understand their own bodies and yourself and encourage your husband to do it as well. But on to the well, What would you do if oh. the, the husband didn't want to try it? <laughs> he wouldn't be married to me, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Jeremiah doesn't okay. want to try most of my stuff. Um, that's actually a good question because Jeremiah and I struggle with that a lot. <laughs> and ladies, I get it. <laughs> I, I do not like... I, I didn't grow up in a household where we tried things. We were very standard dinners and meals, and mm-hmm. we we stuck to that, you know? We didn't really vary around. So, like, even coming when I married you, like, trying sushi and just going into all of that stuff was Yeah, we're exact intense. opposites. Yeah. Like, I couldn't leave the table until I tried every single thing. So Yeah. <laughs> That's not me. It, if it looked funny, yeah. I was good. If it looked like it was still mooing or, yeah, and now you I'm like, good. Well, um. So then can I flip the question on to you then? Because I feel like my answer is kind of, my answer doesn't matter. The question is, Jeremiah, how did you become more interested or excited to actually try the medicine or herbs that I was making? And why did you end up trusting me? Now, who says I trust you? <laughs> what, what was your, your, your first joke you towards to, me kind of. about um, those plants on the side of the road? What were they called? <laughs> poison hemlock yeah so <laughs> trust is uh yeah whenever we drive by poison hemlock which is by the way all over california i always point it out to jeremiah and remind him yeah that i could so trust kill, i don't know i could I, kill him at I, any point i don't know 
just but joking. Let's see. I think, you know, when I when I came to you as my first problem, I, I don't remember what it was, but you would give me something and... Allergies. Uh, yeah, uh, my allergies. W- living next to palm trees, you know, we live in California. It's I'm allergic to palm trees, and you gave me that allergy defense. And no, I made it for you the first time from scratch. Remember? Yeah. Well, it was a form of allergy defense, right? Yeah, it was a lot. You, it stronger, was like twenty-seven though. different herbs, herbs yeah. in it, and it was the most disgusting thing I've ever tried. But it was so bitter, and I do not. I don't like bitters. But it worked. And then. And it lasted for like a week. It wasn't like I had to take it every hour. Yeah. Or every day. It was like I took it once. I was good for a week and then I had to take it again. And because of that. I married you. No. (laughs) Oh, there it is. That wasn't in the vows. (laughs) No, but I, I do remember you saying, oh, it works. Like, oh. Yeah. So I do think once. Just, you know, set it down on a table and be like, this is for you. And let the guys try it. And if it works, men are very efficient. They like efficiency. So if it works, even if they hate it, they'll keep using it and doing it. It depends. If it makes your life easier. You put fire cider in front of me. I'm still like, I don't know. I know, but you'll still take it. (sighs) Because you know it works. I know it works, but. Not pleasant at all. Well, let's get to calming herbs because I need to calm down. down. (laughs) Which this is the last group of herbs that I think are really important for sexual health. And when I mean making a tincture or even um, if you're going to blend certain things or infuse your aloe vera gel or things like that, these are great herbs for you to do it with. Again, please don't be silly billies and just infuse anything and use it vaginally your vagina is the most absorbent part of your body so don't just do all these things and then create infections and then come back and start getting angry at me don't do dumb things i just want to preference that i actually don't think my listeners are dumb i just feel like i have to say that because there's going to be that one person who just like never listened to this whole podcast listens to this one episode and goes i shoved i don't know so, uh, yeah, don't finish that well i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> like i don't know i could just see someone like taking um cinnamon and being like i made a cinnamon lubricant i i actually do think there is that there is a cinnamon they lubricant. do slight warming yeah. ones but just don't please don't do it anyway with calming and i'm gonna have to take some of these afterwards um after talking about that but calming herbs calm your central nervous system and or our muscle relaxants. Sometimes they also calm your digestive system, which also helps with your fight or flight response. So we, our goal is to get us consistently, our bodies in a parasympathetic state. What does that mean? Ooh, good question, Jeremiah. It is rest and relaxation. So your body should chronically be in a rest and relaxed state. What do you consider rest? I'm sorry. What? What do you mean? Well, like, because, like, there's people rest, and I feel like we're not resting. No, a lot of people don't know how to rest. They're constantly in a sympathetic state, which is in fight or flight or fright. So you so want to be. Yes. So you want to be in. Well, think about it. In order to have an orgasm, 
somebody has to be calm. Yeah. You have to be completely relaxed. Yeah. To have an orgasm. So if you have chronic issues of tension, especially vaginally, if you have pelvic floor issues, which is the next part we're getting into, but a great way to help support that besides doing manual manipulation with a pelvic floor therapist or with other tools that we'll be talking about is taking things like calming herbs. Because sometimes you have such deep internal inflammation that it doesn't matter how much, like for me, I'm an alignment specialist, right? So it doesn't matter how much I can be working on a muscle or even doing rolfing work and helping it work with your neuropathways to your brain. There's a reason why that even though I'll release it, in five minutes it comes right back. That's how I know someone has chronic inflammation. And their body is like withhold so much withheld so much trauma in that area that they're constantly in a fight or flight response with that part of their body and or their adrenals and digestive liver enzymes are so out of whack that their body cannot relax mm. at all. So it's it's more than just a mental state. It has to be a physical yeah. state as well. And spiritually, of course, because this podcast is for Christians, understanding your spiritual state with the Lord, if you're not, if you haven't repented of things, if you haven't come to him and really spent time with him and been in the word and truly had submissive time with him throughout your day, your physical and mental state are going to be out of whack. Yeah, that makes sense. It, because like if you if your mind is on something and you're completely distracted, mm -hmm. how can you be in the moment with your wife or husband? And then also, you know, even if you take all the right herbs, if your muscles are not relaxed mm -hmm. because you haven't worked on them and everything, they're not going to relax for you. Well, also, too, you're going to come into bed with your husband or wife and completely think like, oh, my gosh, I need to relax. I just need to I need to orgasm. That'll make me feel better. And it becomes more of a self-serving mm, than... That's a great example. Well, I'm... And I, actually, I don't think... I can't say I've struggled like that with you. But there are times where, of course, you're like, man, this outlet could make me feel better. But that type of uh, mental decision is the same thing that an addict says. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know what would make me feel so much better? Get if that I just, high. Yeah. If I fix. just had that... If I just got a little buzzed off that yeah. drink tonight... That will make me feel so that really takes the edge off. Not saying that alcohol doesn't help because it is a depressant, but alcohol is a depressant. It's not a relaxant. Those are two different things. Mm -hmm. Same things. Um, there are other herbs as well that are more like a depressant. If you take too much of it, like marijuana, for instance, uh, even uh, catnip can do that as well, which is one of the things I'm going to be mentioning because um, people also like to smoke a lot of calming herbs. Which actually, I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. If someone smokes herbs or burns herbs in their house to inhale it, that's actually the fastest way for an herb to hit your system, like so quickly. Yeah, your nasal passage. Mm -hmm. Because it goes through your blood-brain barrier so quickly, and then your body can register what it is and use it. And smoke is very different than just an essential oil, like the oils in the air. Mm -hmm. um, smoke hits heavier. I'm not saying to go smoke out your house or anything like that. But that's why people would burn sage. Um, uh, again, I don't, I would suggest actually ingesting all of these. I wouldn't suggest using them as lubricants or. How would you plan to do this? 
So, like, if you wanted to set up a romantic night yeah, and you were going to do this, like, should you do this, like, 30 minutes, an hour before? Should you do it at dinner, after dinner, before dinner? Well, let me let me just say what these are first. Okay. And then we can talk about that because that also goes into your mental state with certain herbs. Mm. And that's why I want to mention what these are first. So, really great calming herbs are milky oat, skullcap, chamomile. That's my favorite. It's I, my favorite too now. It's so easy and every it's used for so many great things. Uh passion flower, lemon balms also a homie. St. John's wort, which that one uh, causes warts? No. St. <laughs> John's wort, people get iffy about it, but it's a great relaxant herb. Okay. Um but my body I'm getting ahead of myself. What we're going to talk about. My body has gotten used to St. John's wort for other things. So it doesn't see it as a relaxant herb. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Where I'm kind of headed here. Hops, which yes, that's why people drink beer and they feel relaxed afterwards. Uh, valerian, another great one that Jeremiah and I use all the time. California poppy. And no, you will not get high off of it. Catnip, also all-time favorite. Kava. Oh my gosh, Jeremiah, I just remembered the herb. Lobelia is the one that you take. Yeah, I do take that. So Lobelia is a muscle relaxant. And um, I just want to say before I get into the rest of them, just be careful. It was used as the original Epicac. So if you take too much of it, you can vomit. But like Jeremiah can take two whole droppers, like 60 drops, and it's like nothing for him. So uh, you just have to work your way up to a certain tolerance. But I always say start with five drops of that in a tincture. Don Kwai which is another great one. Cramp bark, amazing. One of my favorites. And then anything in the mint family and lavender is also a part of the mint family. So the lavender family or mint family, mm. but specifically, uh, I think peppermint's more or spearmint is, but that's the thing. Spearmint also kind of gets people up a little bit. Yeah. So that's why it's, that's why you got to kind of figure things out on your own. But that's why that question that you asked, Jeremiah, is so good because some of these things, my body doesn't think about like, you know, oh, I'm going to get really relaxed and ready for intercourse with you. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of these things like chamomile, I've trained more for digestive stuff for us and our yeah. bodies. We use it more for digestive and not so much for relaxation, but for more of our tummy problems, which chamomile is also known for a great digestive relaxant. And if you take these, so if you're, let's say, uh, let's say somebody really wants to commit a few herbs to having like sexual intercourse, that means about 30 minutes before you're going to have intercourse, you start taking these herbs to prepare yourself. So once you've taken this about 30 minutes before, I would say start with not too high of a dosage because you also don't want to fall asleep. But some of these are literally that strong. Like Jeremiah, the ones you take Valerian and Lobelia yeah. at night before bed, 10 minutes later, you're out, I'm out. Yeah. like a light. So I wouldn't be like, hey, love, you know what you should take to really get us going? Lobelia or Valerian. Because we've used those to train us to help us go to sleep. And help us have a deep sleep. So you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Where for me, maybe it might be good a little bit. Uh, like I can cut the dosage down. But that's why you have to get to know. And Shana, my um, herbalist teacher, for I'll do a shameless plug there for Sage Country Herbs. She's wonderful. Um, 
she said that you should get to know an herb and put it into your life and become the master of that one herb. Because however it affects your body, you are now understanding it wholly. So like drink the tea version of it, get the tincture version of it, go buy the actual herb, see what it's like dried, see what it's like alive and growing. And once you become familiar with that plant and use it in your everyday life, it almost becomes like your friend, like someone that you know and you can grow with and get to know. Like I, And I love the way that she talks about that, like skullcap is one of my favorite anti-inflammatories for my body. I don't take it and feel really relaxed. Jeremiah knows I've had, I struggled with shingles for a really long time and I get them especially when I'm stressed and I tend to get the breakout around my lower back and my buttocks. And even when I start to get that cystic, cystic looking acne back on my uh, uh, glutes again, I will take it and I also will put it topically on my glutes and my lower back and I will ingest it internally and within like an hour, the red bumps are gone. So I wouldn't take skullcap and think, oh, I'm really relaxed and ready. My body has been trained to see skullcap in that way. So that's why I want to encourage everyone, whatever it's going to be, if lavender makes you sleepy and go to bed, then if it does relax you that much, cut back the intake of it. And then just get enough where it's like, oh, wow, I just feel kind of good right now, but I'm not tired. I just feel good. That's the amount that you want of whatever, all of these herbs that I mentioned to feel relaxed enough, especially for women. Men, I feel like maybe they could take a small amount, but men are pretty relaxed. Like they don't need, (laughs) I don't think they need any relaxation when it comes to intercourse. If they get too relaxed, it's hard for their, um, blood to keep pumping yeah i think i think for men it's more of a state of mind like you just need to clear your head and be present with your wife which valerian is actually really good for that yeah Uh, but i would probably start with so that's the other thing tinctures five drops equates to one cup of tea not five droppers like the whole dropper full five drops of a tincture equates to one cup of tea so if one cup of chamomile tea makes you tired then maybe start with one or two drops if you're doing a tincture. What's nice about tinctures is you can kind of measure it out and see exactly how much you like. But if you're a tea person, go for it. You're also getting internally internally hydrated, yeah. So I'm not going to disregard teas, but if you know you need more of something, it's nice to have a tincture, and then you can always add five drops of that tincture to hot water. That's why when we're looking at herbs, it's really nice to know that, okay, if I've been using these herbs for a really long time, and or like a few months and I'm not seeing a difference especially when it comes to your pelvic floor or lubrication or anything like that and you know that these herbs work one I mean try different ones don't just try one and be like well my pelvic floor must be bad (laughs) try a few different things and figure out if and if none of the herbs work then yes there's definitely a physical problem going on but you can try these herbs and then see Uh, I personally like to try things first physically and then use supplements and herbs. And that's just how my body works. And I know that I like that. But I started doing things like, you know, I seeing a pelvic floor therapist, I got pelvic a pelvic floor wand, I got a parafit, which also helps with my Kegels. Uh, and I did all of this before actually I ever even met Jeremiah, because I knew that I had pelvic floor issues. But I do want to say before we start getting into these topics of five, six, and seven, that 
all of these also come with a precursor of if any of these things make you struggle sexually in sin, especially when it comes to masturbation and or using pornography and things like that, then obviously these things are not for you, right? We want to make sure that we are using God's purpose for sex and understanding that if you're doing these things for a healthcare perspective, that's healthier for your baby, for your body, um, and for sexual intercourse, I, then that's okay. But that's just a little precursor that I wanted to throw out there because someone suggested to me a few items and things that ultimately when I looked at it and prayed about it as a single, I was like, these could easily become um, stumbling blocks in my life. So what are you talking about? Are you talking about tools that you Mm -hmm. are able to use? Yes. Okay. And uh, first and foremost, I would recommend before buying any tools that you think would be beneficial for your pelvic floor, whether you're a man or a woman, I think you should, if you're a single and a single man or a woman, if you're, if you know you're going to get married within the next year or two, please go see a pelvic floor therapist. A lot of, I don't think I've ever heard anyone else recommend this before. And I wish someone asked us, Jeremiah, and told us to see pelvic floor therapists. One, because it tells you how your anatomy, like sexually, how it's working and if you're doing okay. Um, they are able to give you kind of an in, in-depth map, I should say, of your anatomy and say like, hey, this part isn't working correctly. This isn't functioning. This part may be more painful. This position sexually when you do have sex will be more painful because of this. And um, when you do that, you get to understand your body better, but you also get to understand your husband's body better or your wife's body better. So let's start with a pelvic floor therapist. Normally, that's a woman who's a pelvic floor therapist. I'm sure there are some men out there, kind of like gynecologists. There are some men, but I feel like it's mostly women. Uh, And there is a difference between a gynecologist and a pelvic floor therapist. A pelvic floor therapist is almost like a physical therapist for your pelvic floor. Uh, And that includes for men, your pelvic floor also includes like your prostate and your colon, right? You should explain what your pelvic floor is a little. Oh, the pelvic floor is the lower part of your abdominals. So think about not from belly button down, but think about from like your hip bones if you touch the top of your hip bones, all the way down to like the bottom of your um, abdomen, like Mm. your whole (laughs) core, I guess, like basically where a woman's vagina is. And then I guess it'd be underneath the scrotum for men. Interesting. Okay. Does that make sense? And then uh, it doesn't necessarily, because it's hard to say, because I mean, it works so deeply with your lower abdominals and even upper abdominals. It also works very deeply with your breath. So a lot of people retrain their pelvic floor through breath movement uh, because your diaphragm and your pelvic floor mimic each other and the way that that you breathe. Yeah, so when women are giving birth, (laughs) no, exactly. So if you're thinking about the breath, right, through birth, then if you are holding yourself like this, and not breathing, right? And even right now, if you're listening with me, I want you to try this kind of like a little dynamic exercise. I want you to first think about breathing. Put your hand right in your sternum, which is right in between. If you're a woman, your breasts right in between. I want you to push hard and then breathe to right here in through your nose. Hold. 
just right here. Push, push, push with your hand and then out through your mouth. So you could still feel, even when you're pushing here, your stomach goes out, right? Or it should. If your stomach below your hand didn't go out, then you're not breathing deeply. So now I want you, if you had that problem, go push your belly button with your hands. All right. We're going to do it together. In through your nose always and out through your mouth. Ready? In. You should feel your stomach expanding. Hold. And then out through your mouth. So a lot of people breathe to there in their stomach, right? Mm -hmm. But now to show you how your diaphragm works with your pelvic floor. So you should have felt the top of your stomach expand and then technically below your hand, below your belly button. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to get your pelvic floor engaged, you can put a lacrosse ball um, kind of like next for women. It'd be like next to your vagina, like next to the um, labia on that, mm -hmm. on either side. Or you can also put your hand right above, um, basically above your pubic bone. So when you reach down, and you could do it through jeans while you're sitting down, you can feel the top of that pubic bone. Mm -hmm. So it would be technically like where your pubic hair starts growing. You want to push right there. You feel that? Mm -hmm. Is it weird to feel? I'm good. Tell me what to do next. <laughs> but do you feel the bone? Yeah. Okay. So I want you to just... For a second, almost like tap it or shake it, like kind of shake that area, mm -hmm. kind of like you're waking up a muscle, right? Okay, yeah. Now that you woke it up, I want you to do that again. Inhale in through your nose, hold at the top of your breath. And at that hold, you should feel that breath pushing against your hand, almost like your stomach is expanding and pushing, trying to push your fingers away. Okay. okay yeah. So hold tightly there and inhale with me in. Hold. Do you feel that push and extension? Yes. <laughs> out through your mouth. It should be controlled. <laughs> it should be controlled. Yeah. But no, I felt that. That's, yeah. That was weird. I've never done that before. Yeah. And you know what's funny? I just thought of that right now. I should probably do that with clients to test a little bit better. Yeah. But it should get to the point where when then when you're breathing, it gets lower and lower and you feel it almost between your legs. And I know that sounds strange, but the more you can actually activate your whole core like that, like an accordion, mm -hmm. an accordion. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay, I thought that was funny. <laughs> um, but the more you can get that accordion type feel, one, your lungs get to expand better. You get to have better cardiovascular through your whole body, better lymphatic, uh, which equates to, and I know this is very important to a lot of my listeners who've been privately messaging me, um, equates to better weight loss, better digestive health, better mineral uh, movement in your body, especially for your mitochondria and your cells. Mm -hmm. Your food gets to process better because of that. So many things. So, How do these tools go into that, though? <laughs> Good question, Jeremiah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's why, before we get into the tools, that's why seeing a pelvic floor therapist is very important. And Are they expensive? Uh, they can be. Okay. A lot of them are covered by insurance. And if you're a part cool. of a, a Christian MediShare, a lot of them see that, um, or at least it's very easy to advocate that that's important for going into marriage. And it's not just like it. And it's obviously an easy shareable need where people will help pay for it as well. So um, and I think our insurance totally covers that nice. from when I spoke to them, which was, is... Why can't I talk right now? 
Samaritan Ministries. <laughs> uh, so seeing a pel- pelvic floor therapist, if you never have, and especially if you did it before you had sex or before you were married, it's never too late. There's never not a good time to see a good pelvic floor therapist. But also vet them first. Call them. Set up appointments because there's going to be someone who's literally around your genitalia. And I actually think it's better if the same person sees the husband and the wife because they can make suggestions to both of you and speak to both of you. I don't know if they'll necessarily, I'm sure they'd be fine with the husband and or the wife being in the sessions together. Why wouldn't they be? But it's good to have that healthy, open communication with a doctor around, right? Because these people have their doctorates. So obviously I can't do it and no offense, I wouldn't want to do it. (laughs) But Jeremiah and I though have become each other's pelvic floor therapist experts, which I really do love. And I only was able to teach Jeremiah because I became my own pelvic floor expert first and then showed him how to do internal releases to me because I have a severe glute injury that tore my left glute and literally all the way down to my left leg. um, I will literally feel my ankle sometimes lock up and I can't move my glute or sometimes my lower back will freeze. So if you have extraordinarily painful lower back injuries, uh, glute injuries, even leg injuries or foot injuries, those all can affect your pelvic floor. And same thing with shoulders. Your shoulders and hips mimic each other a lot where your hips will actually continuously go out of place because of a shoulder injury and or a neck injury. Hi everyone, Savannah here. Thank you so much for listening to part two, Planting Seeds of Life, Biblical Sex, where you got to learn all about holistic herbs and the beginning parts of pelvic floor therapy. We can't wait for you to listen to part three next week, Wednesday, Pacific Coast Standard Time, 6 a.m. We hope you enjoyed learning how to cultivate God's creation from a biblical perspective. Holistic health is to prioritize whole person wellness through Christ. Like and comment on what topics we're casting seeds or casting pearls. If you found this information provided useful, subscribe to our podcast for future updates, leave a review to help us improve, and share this episode. We would like to remind you before we leave that perfect health cannot be attained in this world. Only spiritual salvation through sanctification and repentance to God and turning away from sin will give you a perfect body in the kingdom come. Nourish yourself in the word in prayer, and in biblical fellowship daily. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thank you to our listeners for making this podcast possible. Always praying. Keep casting seeds.